mountaintops is the same God that is God in the valleys. And sometimes we do go through hardships, but uh, listen, God is still the same. Uh, he said he won't change. He said he won't leave us. Praise the Lord for that. Well, if you have your Bibles, I, boy, I could preach on that. I'm not going to, but uh, what a great message and song. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And uh, we're going to continue our series on family. And uh, really one of the top problems in marriages and families is, uh, is often finances. It's probably one of the greatest uh, arguments and stresses. And listen, there's enough stress in life without adding to it the additional stresses of finances. And, uh, and so we're going to look at what the Word of God says uh, about finances and uh, really make that application to the family. Uh, there are also two, two kinds of wor- people in this world. There's those who, uh, who like to save and, uh, and then just naturally. I, I, I find it kind of funny, but it's, it is true. And then there's those who, people who just like to spend. Um, and that's just a natural thing, a statement of fact. And probably in your household, between spouses, you have one that likes to save and one that likes to spend. And all the, all the savers are smiling, and, uh, and, and they know in their heart that uh, their spouse is the spender, all right? Uh, and so, but that's just a, a truth. And by the way, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, uh, you need the spender. And you need the saver. You, it goes hand in hand. Just like a car battery uh, needs a positive and needs a negative. You can't run a car on all positive. And you can't run a car on all negative. All right. So, uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. You need to learn to work together and understand that. But I want to look at family and finances. We're going to take our text in 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 6. The Bible says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us, there, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for just the fact that your Bible does speak to finances and financial issues. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you'd speak through me as we uh, make application of your word, Father, to family issues and, uh, and help us to understand and apply your principles, God, to our homes, that we could have homes who would be godly and honoring and glorifying to you in all things and in every area and aspect of our home. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. And Jesus, Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. 
As we look at this passage, we will come back to this passage, but I want to start there. The Bible says in verse number 6, and I love this verse, uh, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I, I was preaching months ago, maybe even years ago, uh, a year or two ago at our church here, and, uh, and, and really on the idea of contentment. And boy, I tell you what, our society is so ingrained, uh, and actually it's... Uh, it's partially the uh, fault, if I could say it that way, of marketers. They have become so well-trained at how to appeal to people that every commercial and every advertisement that you watch, you're like, man, I got to have that. I can't live without that. And they, they, they appeal to the sense that you would be discontented with your life without their product. And so that's just a fact of life. Uh, but, but as we think about that, how godliness and contentment ought to be the mainstays for a Christian. And I want you to notice the source of finances and just the fact that God speaks to this. Go with me to Psalm chapter number 50. Save your spot here in, in Timothy as we'll be back here. But uh, go with me to Psalm chapter number 50 and verse number 10. And the Bible says in another psalm, in Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof the world, and they that dwell therein. God owns everything. Just by virtue of the fact that God created everything, tells you that He is the owner of everything. And so we look here in Psalm 50, and uh, verse number 10, we kind of see the same idea about God, and the same concept about God. In Psalm 50, and verse 10, the Bible says, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Well, we, we sing that song that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And the truth of the matter is, he does, and he owns the hills also. Uh, everything that is in the world belongs to God. And he is the proprietor and owner of all things. Once you recognize that and understand that, it becomes far easier to realize and recognize that he allows us to be the managers of his property. And that's an important thing to understand. I mean, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. When he put Adam there in the garden, he said he gave man dominion over all the animals and said, hey, I want you to name all of these animals. This garden, the Garden of Eden that I've put you in, you're responsible to maintain and take care of the garden. Of course, before sin, it was a lot easier to maintain and take care of. All you had to do is pick the fruit and eat it problem was Adam didn't listen to what God said about what not to eat and, and went ahead and ate of the fruit that he wasn't supposed to. And then things changed, of course. But, uh, but God does allow us graciously and gives us uh, things that we are to uh, take care of. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, what is a steward? A steward is simply somebody that is responsible to administer things. If you think about an airline, if you've flown on the airlines, they're stewards and stewardesses. And what they do is they simply go up the aisle and say, can I give you peanuts, if they still do that today. I don't know, maybe it's just pretzels and water, I don't know. 
But they used to go through, and I remember the days when uh, one day my dad accidentally came home, and, and we had a, in our house a, a spoon, and stamped in the handle of it was, uh, might have been USAA, or US uh, Airs, I, I don't remember what it was, and uh, or some airline was on, it stamped in the handle, they had real silverware. Uh, back in the day that they offered on their flights and he accidentally uh, pocketed it and took it home. It was not on purpose, but uh, we ended up with that thing at our house. And, uh, but, but I'm just saying, they go up in the down, uh, down the aisle and, and they give you the foods and they give you the meals. They are not the owners of those things. They merely administer and give out those things. And God tells us that we are stewards of the things that he gives us. A little further down in 1 Corinthians 4 and 7, it says this, For who maketh thee to differ from another? Or what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glorify? as if thou hadst not received it. And he's talking about giving things to people. Uh, listen, we all have, uh, you, could, you could call that amongst many things. That could be gifts. Um, Brother Bob Coon sang for us. I appreciate him singing. And some people sing specials. And, and man, I, I appreciate the talent and the ability that some people have to be able to sing. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, others that have other talents to, to do this or to do that. And not everyone has the same talents, but, but we're to administer and use the talents that God has given us for His honor and for His glory. And somehow we wrap our mind around that with talents, but when it comes to possessions, oh, it's mine. It's mine. This tie, this is mine. This suit jacket, this is mine. Uh, these cowboy boots, these are mine. No, no. No, they're God's. This is God's tie. This is God's suit coat. These cow boots, they actually are God's. They, he gave them to me. I went out in New Jersey. Why in New Jersey are there cowboy boots anyways? I'll never know. I was out there, and I, we were staying in a missions apartment at a time, and, and I walked in, and they had some clothing they were giving away, and I, I saw these cowboy boots, and, and I, I tried them on, and they fit me. And they said, they came in just this morning. They're yours. Take them. I said, man, they fit me too. Praise the Lord. They are mine. The Lord blessed, and they're not mine. They're the Lord's. The Lord gave them to me. And I'm just saying, if you go through life and realize that everything that you have is not truly yours, but it's God's, you'll look at your life a little bit different. And you'll consider all of those things different. And we're blessed that God allows us to administer the things that He gives us. In 1 Timothy, back in our text in verse number 6, uh, or chapter number 6 and verse number 17, it says this, Charge them, 1 Timothy 6, 17, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. We go on, but the idea there is that God gives us those things. And I've said many times, it's not a sin to be rich. It's not. You go back in Bible, and you'll find that Abraham was rich. You'll find that Job was very wealthy. And God, by the way, God didn't punish Job because of his wealth. You go read it, you'll find that out. It's not a sin to be rich. It is a sin to be all wrapped up in only the wealth and not in God. That is a sin. 
But he's saying, hey, that God gives us certain things that we can administer those things. And God does provide for us. And listen, he provides several ways. Uh, one of the ways that he provides for us, and we have to say this in 2022, it's so important, that, uh, that one of the ways that God provides is through work. I'll never forget the testimony of Brother Mike Patterson. I ran into him the other day, at, uh, a couple weeks ago, rather, at camp. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I, every time I see him, I'm just reminded, uh, because he told the story, and, and every time I see him, I don't know why, but I, re- I know he has four toes on one foot. And I don't know why. I've never even seen his feet, to be honest with you. But I know why, because he told the story about how he was being stubborn and, uh, and he had gotten his paycheck and he needed money to go out and buy a, a new lawnmower and, and instead of giving to God his tithe, uh, he went out and he held his tithe back and he went out and bought a new lawnmower with that money that he should have tithed to God and he was out cutting his yard and when he was doing so, he slipped and fell and cut one of his toes off. And he said, God has reminded me that now I only have nine toes, one-tenth belongs to God. That's why I remember that. And I run into him, and I think the guy with four toes on one foot. Nine toes. And I'm just saying that, hey, sometimes we get stubborn, and we think, well, I'm the one who went out, and I worked, and I earned this money, and I'm the one who did this, and I'm the one who saved up, and this is not God's, this is mine. Oh, how wrong we are, because God gives us health to go to work. God gives us mental capacity to learn the job that we do. God gives us the skill set to be able to do the things that we do. And it is all rotating around God, and the fact that God allows us to administer the things that he has given us. So we have to realize that God is the source of our finances. Of course, there's other ways, and, and I'm reminded of the verse, and, and I, this is a verse that needs repeated. It bears repeated often. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Hey, listen, there's something to, to be said for working. And, uh, and I, I use that verse sometimes jestingly, but it's a very true and a very serious verse uh, that, that we ought to remember and bear in mind. And so we, uh, God gives us and provides us stuff uh, as we are to work and earn it, but God gives us the strength and the health and the air and the ability to do the things that we do. And so we ought to work for that. And God is the source of our finances. I want to look a little bit at the stewardship of our finances. Look with me back in our text in 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 10. I want you to notice this. The Bible says, and of course this verse is, is quoted often and often misquoted, but the Bible says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Listen, we need to be careful that we do not fall in love with money and with the idea of being rich. There's a fellow that uh, I, I, he has great financial advice. And I like the majority of his financial advice, to be 100% honest with you, but I think his goal is a little bit more money-centric and a little less God-centric than what I would like. 
And we have to be very careful and guard in our lives. By the way, that's a very worldly philosophy. The world is constantly pounding into our minds that if you have riches and if you can become a millionaire, and now they're no longer content with a millionaire, now you have to be a billionaire, and then you have to be a billion, billions heir where you got multiple billions, and, and it just keeps going. Man strives to have the most things that they can have. They've fallen in love with money. And money, for all practical purposes, has become their God. They live for it. They strive for it. Uh, everything around them can fall apart as long as they have their money in their bank. And it, you look at their lives and you realize that pretty quick. A lot of people live like that. And listen, God gives us a warning saying, hey, don't fall. Look at the warning that he says there. For the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, one of the, one of the things uh, in murders they're always investigating is what's the cause of it? Well, usually it's one of two things. It's, it's love or it's money. You know, that's kind of the things they shoot for. And that's what people uh, look for. Uh, a man, men will kill other people to steal their property and, and take what they have. If, if the money is enough, they'll have motive for that. And, and listen, people love money. But look at the warning it says, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The Bible is offering a stern warning saying, hey, you better be careful of falling in love with money. It will destroy your life. It will cause your faith to fail in God. When money becomes the priority higher than other things, listen, how many times have husband and wife split up over money because money becomes a priority? I can tell you family after family after family that money becomes the priority in that home and they get away from God and they get away from church and they pierce through their, their life and it becomes a destruction really in their life. And that's what the Bible is warning about, that the love of money will destroy your life and your faith and your, your, the, the things that are going well for you. We have got to be so careful that we don't fall in love with money. How do you know if you're living with, for money? Uh, when it becomes your primary focus, it is a problem. When that's all you think about, and it consumes your thoughts, and it consumes your uh, decision-making processes. Uh, listen, it, it, it needs to be a, a secondary priority, not a first top priority. Listen, many times people, uh, work becomes a priority because a paycheck will come in. And listen, I know there are some people that have to work on Sunday. And I've said this, I'm grateful that you can go to the emergency room and there are doctors and nurses in there that will take care of you on a Sunday afternoon when you need it. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for a police officer that will answer the phone when something goes bad wrong on a Sunday. I'm glad that they are, there are some emergency people out there that will take care of things. Uh, I'm glad that if my house were to catch fire, I could call the fire department, and on Sunday, they would show up and would put that fire out. I'm just saying there are some that are emergency-type things that you need. But listen, the majority of America started working on Sunday, not because, boy, it was essential 
or an emergency because it was convenient and the money became good. And people started saying, well, I'm working on Sunday, man. I get, I get paid time and a half. I get paid this and I get paid that and my paycheck's good and I'll get overtime on top of it. And there's a bonus here and a bonus there. And I'm just saying that, hey, in America, work has replaced God on Sunday. And it's a problem. We are, and God gives a stern warning about loving money. Listen, we ought to have faith in God and not in finances. The Bible says there in verse number 17, and we already read this, but the Bible says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. They have faith in God. Listen, it's easy for our faith to be transferred from God, who we cannot see, to our bank account that we can see. I was talking with somebody the other day, had a medical emergency in his life, and, and he got to take a helicopter ride. Well, it wasn't quite like that, but he took a helicopter ride. $37,000. And I'm just saying that, man, your savings account can be gone tomorrow, but God's still there. Hey, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And we ought to put our faith and trust in God because he can take care of us. Hey, we ought to trust in God. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Hey, what importance it is to Trust in the Lord and not in our finances. Hey, we ought to honor God with our finances. We're talking about stewardship and giving to God and managing what God has given us. We ought not love it. We ought not uh, put our faith in it, but we ought to honor God with it. One of my favorite verses of the Old Testament is Proverbs 3, 9 that says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Hey, the Bible's clear that our substance that we get. Now in the Old Testament and in Bible times, uh, they'd go out to their fields and they would cut down their crops and they'd bring them in and, and those first fruits that they would draw in, hey, that was the tithe that they would take to God. That's why he says the substance, the first fruits of thy substance. Maybe it was grain if they had wheat fields. Maybe it would be uh, grapes if they had vineyards. Maybe it would be uh, their cattle that were, were born and, and they would give those things and those first fruits would belong to God. That's the idea and the principle. And I love it because it is a principle and it carries forth from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's not a law. It is a principle that is to be obeyed for time and eternity between God and man that God owns everything. He gives us some stuff and we ought to give back to Him a portion that belongs to Him. It's all His anyway. And so he just says, hey, that, that you honor God, uh, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. And we talk about the tithe. The tithe is simply 10%. Listen, if you teach your children when they're young to give one-tenth to the Lord, and you give them a dollar, and then they say, well, I need change. Can you give me change? And you give them 10 dimes. And they say, this is Lord's dime. Man, what a precious thing. And I tell you what, it's easy when they're little. 
and, and they grow up doing that. I grew up in my life doing that. And I tell you what, when you get $100 and you say one goes to God, that's not so hard. You get $1,000 and, and, and 10 goes to God, that's not so hard. Am I doing my math right or I mess it up? 100, 100 goes to God. I'm not good with math on the fly. I have to do it on paper. You get, get $10,000 and the 10% goes to God. It's not so hard because you've been doing it your whole life. You started it when, with a dollar and it becomes an easy thing to do and, and something that, that you can practice and do on a regular basis. And I'll tell you what, I don't know how it always works out, but I'll tell you what, God can do more with the 90% that you, that you keep than you can do with 100%. Because that's how God works. But he wants you to honor him with the first fruits of your substance that he gives you. And he'll take care of you. It is amazing how God does it. We ought to be stewards of finances. We understand that God is the source of our finances. We ought to be good stewards with the finances that, that we have. I want you to notice in our text here in 1 Timothy chapter 6 a few shortcomings of finances. I've already touched a little bit, but the Bible says here in 1 Timothy 6 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, listen, there is a great lack of contentment today. I mean, we, we get one thing, and boy, we, got, we set our sights on the next thing. I got this, man, I, I can't wait to get the next one. Uh, the new iPhone came out, boy, I can't wait to get the new iPhone. The new cars just came out, I can't wait to get the new car. The new this come out, and, and you ever notice, that, how is it that you can buy a, a 2023 before 2023 hits anyways? How does that make any sense? They're, they're just constantly feeding us and, and feeding the frenzy and causing people to say, man, I, I need this and I want this and I got to have the next and I got to have the newest and I got to have the greatest. Listen, uh, he says here in verse number six, godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at the principle that he gives us in verse number seven. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Hey, Job said, I came to this world naked, and I'm going to leave. And I'm not taking not even the clothes I'm wearing on my back. Oh, you might bury somebody in a suit, but listen, they're already gone. They didn't take it with them. That's why you were able to put it on them. It's not here. Once you die, you're gone, and there's nothing. The things that we have are only for this life and this earth. And the Bible says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Hey, that's where our true treasure ought to be. That's where we ought to be looking. And we ought to be content with such things as we have. Look at what he says in verse 8. And having, here's your needs. If you ever wonder what you need, this is, God wrote them down for us. And having, uh, and having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Did you eat today? You're all dressed today? Praise the Lord, we're content. That's all we need. Hey, hey, if we've eaten and we've got clothes, and most of us have more clothes than we need or could even wear. And, uh, and, and listen, if we have those two things, and then hey, let us be content with those things. He warns against covetousness. Because listen, the opposite, the other side of the coin of contentment is covetousness. Saying, man, i got to have this. i got to have that. 
I can't do without that. And the Bible says in, in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hey, we've got to be careful of covetousness and this world and all of your co-workers and your neighbors all push towards covetousness because it's all about the shiny new this, the shiny new car, the shiny new blender, the shiny new boat, the shiny new clubs, the shiny new gun, the shiny new whatever you plug in, whatever it is that, you, that, that fancies and catches your eye. And it's the shiny things that people are like, man, I, I got I to gotta have these things and I, gotta, I can't live without them. It's covetousness. We need to be careful of that. And, and, and to top off contentment and covetousness, I just say a word about credit. You know what credit is? It's buy, have now the shiny devices that you can't afford and pay later. And you pay more. Amen. And the Bible is just clear that, hey, we've got to be so careful about that. The Bible says this in Proverbs 22, 7, The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Amen. You get yourself in debt, you know what you are? You're a servant to chase the credit card company. You're a servant to Capital One, the credit card company. You're a servant to Huntington, the credit card company. Whatever company it is that's pulling your chains that makes you say, I have to work the overtime because I got to pay off the debt that I'm in. Listen, debt is killing America. Uh, they, they say that the majority, I, I, I listen to some of these things and it blows my mind. People being 10, 15, $20,000 in debt of credit card debt. I'm not talking a house. I'm not talking something that has value that could compensate for that. I'm saying unsecured debt. And there's a problem. We need to be careful of debt. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 7, I already read it, the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. We need to be careful of the shortcomings of finances. Hey, we need to learn to be content. We need to not covet. We better be very careful of credit. I want to give you just quickly the strategies of finances. Three things. Number one, consecrate them to God. God must have first place in your finances. He must occupy first place in your life. That's going to happen in your checkbook or in your wallet or in your finances if he's not first there then you're holding back from God Amen. and you're saying you know what God's not really first place in my life you might you might come to church you might read your Bible you might do everything else but you're holding out and saying not this not this little area of my life you can have everything else but not this area of my life we have got to consecrate our finances to God. God must have first place. And listen, a couple must agree on that. They must come to terms that God has to be first. The second thing is communication. Hey, listen, with your spouse, you have got to talk about it. 
The Bible says in Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? You've got to sit down and work together uh, on a plan and come out with a way to honor God first and then take care of everything else in your life. Let me just give you, I read this elsewhere. This is not mine. This is just uh, somebody else's out there. Uh, the, the, here's a common plan. First, tithe, all right? But the second thing, and this is just written this way, 10% should go into savings. This is just practical. It's not Bible. It's just to help you. 70% for your living expenses of your paycheck. And then 20%, if you have debt, to pay off debt. If you don't have debt, set it aside for an emergency fund. That way, when something does break, I told my kids when they got cars, you better have $500 minimal set aside. Because you blow a tire... That's $500. You take your car to get your brakes changed, $500. Unless you do it yourself and you can uh, really cut some corners there. But, but I'm just saying, you've got to have money set aside because if your car don't work and you can't go to work, then you've got a real problem. And so you need money set aside. That's just a practical. That's just some thoughts. And let's, you can, you, based on your, uh, you can scale that out. I wouldn't cut out God. 10%, maybe you put, uh, well, we live on 60% or whatever, but, but you come up with a plan that will help you and set money aside in savings and be prepared as best you can. That's not, that's not lacking in faith. Saving and setting, you, you can find Bible principles. I can go back and show you verses that we should set aside. We should be prepared for hard things. That's not, our faith is not in that. Our faith is in God. It ought to be in God. But that's just being wise, steward of what God has given us. And so I hope that helps as far as faith, uh, family, and finances, and how you're to, to deal with it. God has got to occupy first place in our finances. And He'll bless, He'll take care of us, and it's an exercise in your faith, and it will help you grow in Him. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for principles so clearly laid out in your word.